Oh, that's easy, man. Go Cats! Let's go. Welcome, everybody, to the R&R CatCast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy Welcome back, Bobcat fans. Thorny here, as fully as traveling to Montana, so I'm flying solo here for tonight. But good news for you, you only have to listen to me for about a minute or so. All I'm doing is introducing the interview that we conducted last night with Jody Owens, all-time Bobcat legend linebacker. We sat down with Jody to chat about his playing days at MSU and what he's been up to since his graduation. So without further ado, here's our interview with Jody Owens. Right now, we have the special guest, Jody Owens, former Bobcat great, taking some time tonight to join us on a conversation. Jody, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Ryan. I'm glad you guys invited me. I'm glad you, you're having me on tonight. Oh, man, the privilege is, is all ours. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we started recording just how big a fan we were of your playing days at MSU. So we just you know really appreciate you taking some time to come on and, and join our little podcast here. Really appreciate it. Yeah, any any chance I get to be a part of Bobcat Nation and to give back in any kind of way, whether it's insight or whatever, I mean, I, I miss Bobcat Nation, so I, I'm, I think I'm more excited than you guys are, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the time we're recording this, um, it's it's a real unique time in our nation and um, something that Ryan and I don't uh, have as much as insight as you would. Uh, and I know we were talking prior to just hitting record here and uh, I was going to ask maybe just that you could uh, just give us uh, some, some of your thoughts on what's going on right now. Yeah. So there's definitely, it's a unique you know time in our nation. And I think I, I kind of have a unique perspective. I know just to give you guys a, a quick background. Um, my mom, she's a, a Dallas police officer and she was a single mom growing up. She had me at 15 and you know, so we've been able to work our way through and be able to, my mom is now like 15 year vet of the Dallas police department. And I know we're all probably aware or should be aware of some of the recent events that occurred in Minnesota. Um, and so I just want to just give my thoughts and just ways that we can be better not only for Bobcat Nation, but for our country. I know that uh, just my experience going all the way to Bozeman, Montana, about 24 hours away, you know, I think I, I experienced a lot. And I know for 100% fact that there were times where, you know, not the nicest things were said to me, you know, uh, during my time there. And I don't think it's always happens with ill intent. I think there's a lot of ignorance that comes with that. And I understand that. And so I, I just challenge, you know, Bobcat nation, everybody who can hear this is that like, when you hear people degrade other people, when they use those words that shouldn't be used. And we all know what I'm talking about um, the N word and all those things that are, are not, 
you know, the, the correct language and how to treat somebody. I just ask you just to step up and say, man, that's not how, how things should be done. You know, I want, I want to use, you know, my platform to let people know that, you know, we're all humans at the end of the day. I bleed just like you do. I, I know some of you guys may think I'm Superman because I was able to hit people hard on the field, but I'm, I'm a person just like you. I, I have feelings, I have emotions and I'm speaking for myself, but this is for everybody, whether you're black, white, Indian, whatever, we all have feelings. So just be cognizant of, of those things and how you can make people feel. And I think you, you, you need to have those tough conversations for, with people that you know that may think racism is okay because it's not. And I want you guys to know, Bobcat Nation, I'm always behind you guys and I respect the heck out of you. And I want this place to be, this world to be a better place for my son. If I can move it in the right direction so that he has equal opportunities and, and he's able to do some of the awesome things uh, I want to be able to afford him that opportunity. So that's kind of why I'm speaking out. And I think it's time for a change in America. And let's, you know, get on board and let's do things the, the right way. So I appreciate appreciate you guys listening to, to my little tidbit. No, I appreciate you speaking your mind on that. It's, it's such an easy thing to do for me just to treat other people like everyone else. Like, I, I just don't personally understand how that can happen. But uh, yeah, that's just how I feel about it. That's how I was raised. I was raised uh, like in the Lutheran, just kind of the golden rule type thing. So I, I just don't understand. And uh, yeah, yeah, we all need to be better though. And I, that's a great message. Yeah, I appreciate you guys allowing me to to do it. And hopefully, it doesn't ruffle any feathers. Hopefully, everybody just have a listening ear. That's kind of my biggest thing. Just listening. You know, we all probably know somebody. Just listen to them. I'm sure you will learn something. And I know just being a lifelong learner, like I, I aspire to be, I think if we all can have that a similar mindset, we'll we'll definitely be great at making this place better. Yeah. Uh thank you, Jody. It's uh, something that it's um I enjoyed listening to it. And uh it just I think as for me and for many of us, I think that's a good posture to have is just listen, learn, be kind hearted, you know, just go forward with like you said, what I heard you say, you know. You want to have a better, a better world for your son, you know. And exactly. you, Ryan and I have sons. I mean, I have two sons. Ryan has a son and a daughter. And um, I'm I'm watching the news this week, and it's just, geez, you know, I I can't put in words. In the and so it's a, it's a, it's an important message to hear and something we can work on for sure. Awesome, I appreciate you guys. That's that's big time to to for you guys just to hear me. I I thank you for that. You bet. All right, Ryan, why don't you uh, run down some of uh, Jody's accolades as a player as we kind of move this conversation into um, some football talk? Sure. Uh, Jody Owens was a linebacker for the Bobcats from 2009 to 2012. Is that? I'm sorry. I need to back that up. Is that correct? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, so I redshirted the 2008 season. 2008, yeah. Uh, yeah, they beat up on me a lot on the <laughs> – the scout team, they got me ready to go. And so I played from 2009 all the way to 2012 was my last season. So those four years. All right. I, I couldn't remember if you were played as a true freshman. I sh- sorry about that. But uh, yeah, 2009, your first year playing, you were honorable, honorable mention Big Sky just your freshman year. In 2010, the same thing. In 2011, you're unanimous first team All Big Sky, 
second team All-American. And then in 2012, you were named the Big Sky Defensive Player of the Year, the preseason, as well as the preseason 2012 Defensive Player of the Year. Consensus, first team All-American, unanimous, first team All-Big Sky, and maybe most important to you, team captain. Capping off a great career where you would finish currently your eighth in the history on career tackles for the Bobcats. So one heck of a career, and it's just a pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, man, I forget a lot of those things. I think, like you said, <laughs> the the team captain is, is the best piece of it for me. And just I miss my guys. I know I talk with them a lot, you know, during this time, that I, this extra time. And that's what I take most from it. The accolades are nice. And I did want to leave a mark on MSU history. I was able to do a lot of those things. But what I cherish most is the the time spent in the locker room and laughing and, you know, just getting to know each other. Those are the, the things I cherish with me and the different experiences that we were able to go through and grow through. Can you tell us your recruiting story? Kind of like, how did you end up at Montana State? Yeah, okay. I can do that. So uh, a guy <laughs> by the name of Justin Gaines. I don't know if you guys have ever met Justin Gaines, but um, he was the guy responsible for recruiting a lot of us uh, Texas guys up there to to Bowdoin, Montana. And the weird thing about it is Justin Gaines is actually a Grizzly. <laughs> so Coach Gaines played on uh, – didn't the Grizz win in 2001? Did they win the national champ- – well, no, 95? I think it was 2001 and 95, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And so one of those years, he was on the team. He played cornerback. He's from Niceville, Florida. You guys should, like, research him. But so he played <laughs> for that other team. We won't even mention those mm-hmm. guys because they don't even deserve it. Yeah. But he played on that other team. He he won a national championship, but he knew, you know, you know, Texas had a lot of talent that was getting overlooked. I know me personally – I had the military uh, schools that were really recruiting me. And then from there, I had a couple FCS schools kind of sniffing around. Uh, But Montana State came in and pulled the trigger. I know South Dakota State was sniffing around a little bit. Um, Montana State came in and pulled the trigger. If you met Coach Coach Gaines, you know he's a a used car salesman. He told me there (laughs) wouldn't be any any wind in Bozeman, Montana. It was in a valley and that uh, the wind was blocked by mountains on both sides. So I, I, I truly believe that in my experience, as soon as I came off the airplane, it was a lot of wind in my face. So <laughs> I was a little little uh, skeptical, and it was a lot of snow. It was my first time seeing snow when I came up to Bozeman. But the thing that I fell in love with the place was because of the people. I could feel that the people genuinely cared about me. They knew a lot about me. They knew my mom and they just were so welcoming of me and, and all those things. And I know my whole deal when I when I wanted to go to school, I wanted to go where football mattered. I didn't want to be, you know, a second fiddle to anyone. And, and Bozeman just fit that to me exactly. It was under a new staff under Coach Ash. And I know Coach Ash promised me two things. I know as we were recruiting me, um, he told me that I will graduate which I did, and told me we would win championships, which he did. And so um, I respect the <laughs> Coach Ash to the utmost, and I'm just so thankful to be a Bobcat. And, you know, I bleed blue and gold through and through, and that would never change. Well, real quick here, Justin Gaines, living proof that it's never too late to make a change for the better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
he tries okay. to play the fence. Whoever wins, that's it. He'll call me and talk noise, you know, about whoever <laughs> wins. But see, here lately, he's been, you know, all bobcatted out. So, you know, you got to watch him a little bit. Try to try to ride the fence a little bit. <laughs> but you, so you were one of the first guys from that Texas pipeline that was opened up. Uh, Must have been by Justin Games then, I would imagine. Players like, you know, got Everett Gilbert. Of course, you got Denarius McGee. Maybe CJ mm-hmm. Palmer, Darius Jones, that's just guys that just kind of come to mind that were really part of those late two yep. thousands, early two thousand ten squads. Exactly. For sure. I mean, I think you you hit those guys right 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 on the head with that. Do you just have like a kind of a special bond with the other guys that came in from Texas with you? Oh, definitely. I mean, a lot of those guys were my my uh, best men, my wedding, um, my groomsmen. All of that. I mean, we definitely connected, and we we had the similar upbringings, and we were able to go to Montana State and really rewrite the, the history books, the record books. Um, we're the all-time winningest class and a very historic university that's played a lot of big-time football. So, something we take pride in, and our ability to come together and, and do what still hasn't been done since we left, and that's win our win our conference and. Uh, really, you know, put Montana State on the map on a national level. All right. Well, I mean, those guys you played with from Texas, I mean, some of those are some all-time greats. But when I start thinking back to your career, Jody, um, 2009 was the very first time I remember seeing you play. And I think we have a clip from a pretty important game that might jog your memory. Okay. I pulled this from a video on YouTube, so don't mind the music. Higgins has the snap. Pitch to the left to Bowen. Bowen is strung out to the outside and stopped at the seven-yard line. Yeah. I <laughs> Do you remember that? that? It gave me chills a little bit. Yeah. It gave me chills. <laughs> For sure. I think that was a, a turning point in, you know, Bobcat football. We kind of got over the hump when we were able to beat those guys down in um, Ogden, wasn't it? When we were down in Ogden, Utah. It sure was. So, yeah, yeah, the Cats were um, playing the number 11 Weber State Wildcats in Ogden. And when you see that play, Jody, what I see is you just busting through the middle. And, um, uh, you know, Cameron Higgins optioned out to Bo Bowen there. And um, fourth down. And I remember remember when you guys, uh, Mikey Ryder comes in, right, and helps you Mm -hmm. secure the tackle. And I, I go, I run outside my door because I'm so stinking happy. I'm, I'm, I'm visiting my parents in Great Falls, Montana, and I'm yelling outside and, and I scared this little lady on the street and she looks at me like, well, what are you doing? And I was just so happy. And you're right. I love that. You said it was a turning point for, for Bobcat football. And, um, I just kind of wanted, I wanted to talk to you about this play forever. Like, what do you remember about that play? I just remember we needed a play and just understood the situation that we were in. And I don't know if coach put me on a blitz or what it was, but I saw opening, I read what they wanted to do. And I said, I better just go full speed and try to make something happen. And so I just remember, like you said, Mikey was right there with me. And I mean, and we stopped him, and we were just like ecstatic. I believe Fletcher probably was right around in the area as well. Um, and just excited, man. We, we we felt ourselves get over the hump. Like that was the play, you know, 
to help us secure that win. And that gave us the confidence to, you know, although we didn't win a conference that year, from that point on, I mean, it was like, okay, we know what it takes to be the top team in this league, and this is what we're going to do. What we talked about a lot last season on the podcast was, Coach Choate, like what is, what's going to be the turning point for the program? Where's that pivotal play you can kind of point to where we really turn the program? Like under the Ash era, that was the play we would point to. Like that was just kind of the where things really took off for the Cats. And, yeah, obviously 2010 to 2012, like unprecedented success for the Bobcats during that time. So that was definitely the play that really, like you said, was just pivotal. And you can just see the post-game interview that everyone felt it, like you said, and it was just a really cool moment for the Bobcats. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that was, that was it. And so I don't think, trying to think, I don't think we ever lost to Weber any other time while I was in college. So that kind of goes to show what it did. And, you know, Weber was a, a really good team. They always had tough, tough guys, but we were able to to beat them and that became the standard. We knew we had to beat those guys if we wanted to be who we wanted to be. And that's to be champions. So. It was uh, kind of a real weird stat here. I remember the Bobcats beat Weber in Ogden for like 10 straight trips. It was like a span of like 20 years or something. It finally was snapped, I think, maybe maybe a couple of years ago, but it was from like 96 to like 2016 or something. The Bobcats won every game oh, really? in, in Ogden. Yeah. Wow, that is a weird <laughs> stat. I mean, I guess it's not a tough place to play. Their fans are not into it like that. But anytime you're, you know, not at home. It's a road victory. have a little lag, yeah, for sure. Well, thinking back to that 2009 defense, I mean, that's when you really got your start. There's some special players on that defense what do you remember about that defense? I remember we played a lot of cover two, and we let Dane Fletcher just get after the quarterback. <laughs> so he, he's the guy that I distinctively remember. He was he was awesome to to work with, and I mean he kind of just showed me the ropes of what it what it looked like to be a, a special player and an elite player. And he really kind of took me under his wing. I I tried to mock him in, in different things of how he approached the game. Uh, so I, that would be the biggest thing I remember. I, I remember Kevin Rotoriano, who I think is one of the most underrated players in Bobcat history, his selflessness that he showed throughout his career. Um, I know his junior year, he was first team all-conference as a junior. And then his senior year, he tried, he goes and plays corner, and he was second team all-conference. But, I mean, the the guy didn't gain or give up a pass, and just the selflessness. I don't think he gets the respect that he truly deserves. Now you have Danny, Danny O, Dan Ogden, who never wanted to work out, but he was one of the greatest D linemen that I've ever, you know, strapped it up with. Um, I mean, it, I can go on and on with, with the guys I was able to play with. It was definitely a special group. I know we were the number one uh, defense in the Big Sky that year, um, and we kept it simple and allowed everybody to play fast. We had Corey Nickel on the, uh, last year before the Cat okay. game, and I think he said something to the effect that he thinks Kevin Rotoriano was, like, the best cornerback he ever played with. Yeah, man. Kevin was so underrated, and everybody – I don't understand why everybody didn't see it. He's the most – one of the most cerebral players I've ever been around. Like, I would mm. ask Kevin – we'll call him Retro, but I would ask <laughs> Retro – um, like, retro, what are they going to do out of this formation? He'd be like, oh, you need to expect this and this. And that's what we'll see 95% of the time. Like, he was just so 
dialed in and he wasn't the fastest, he wasn't the biggest, but he would always be in the right spot. And when the play was there to be made, he was going to make it. And so he actually uh, mentored Deontay Flowers when Deontay was coming out. A lot of people don't know that when Deontay was coming out, uh, he ended up going and working out with Retro during that time before to get him ready. Now, I'm not saying that had everything to do with the success Deontay had, but Retro was the man. That kind of goes back to say that. And I want Bobcat Nation to know it. And we definitely need to, you know, respect him when, when they see him. Like, hey, Kevin, we, we know that you, you're you a guy for it, for sure. I talked to him, like, last week sometime. Next guest on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe, we can, uh, maybe we can tag him on this one, Thorny. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Retro, man. That's my guy. Well, you had a storied career at Montana State, and, I mean, there, we need to get into some other stuff besides 2009. Uh, let's just uh, – <laughs> I mean, we could talk 2009. I'm, I'd be glad to do so. But uh, one of the questions we have is just a kind of a ballpark question is, do you have a favorite game you played in at your time at MSU? Does one of them stick out above the rest? Um, I'd probably would say 2010 in Missoula. Yeah. That was pretty big. <laughs> uh, no, the forced fumble on the goal line. And, and what's crazy about that play, I feel like it, it happened again. I don't know if it was last year or the year before. It was similar around the same part of the field and to win the game. And those guys are driving to go up. But I think it does show the resiliency and the heart that Bobcats have, that, that never give up mentality. But I think that that game was like so, it was cold. And it was snowing. It's the coldest I've ever been. The, the, <laughs> the Grizzly fans were loud and obnoxious like they are. And, you know, it was just an old-school football game. Orenzo Davis was running the rock just right at him, and uh, we had to stop the run. I know Chase Reynolds had the the long run on the first play. He touched the ball. He takes off on us, and I'm like, oh, man, it's going to be a long day. We, we settle down, and we just get after those guys. And so I think that that really, you know, was something because they didn't want us to wear our jerseys. They were – you can't wear your throwback jersey. Is that the gold ones, the old gold ones? Yeah, they they were terrible, but we wanted to wear them. <laughs> but we wanted and, them. Yeah, exactly. And they they didn't want us. They didn't give us the opportunity to wear. It. They said we had to wear whatever jersey. So we we had so much much more built up animosity towards those guys. So it was nice to be able to pull out the win. It was my first time beating the Grizzlies. So that was that was probably my favorite game. I mean, I had a couple other games that were that were fun. The New Hampshire game uh, was it 2011 or 12? Whenever we played those guys, probably the best game of my life. Everything just clicked for me that game. But just to throw out a few, yeah, I remember that 2010 Cat Grizz game real quick. I believe that was the game where Lorenzo Davis had that ridiculous run where he was yeah. like hit pretty square on by Jimmy Wilson, like way off on the, on the right side, spun out of it and somehow weaved his way into the end zone for like a 25 yard touchdown run. (laughs) Yeah. I've never seen nothing like that. And I know what's funny coach Wright and I, you know, I I work for coach Wright here at Pittsburgh state. And we talk about that game and and that run as well. Cause it was like, wow. Like it was, it was just awesome atmosphere and how everything kind of came together. Who was speaking of that? Who was the hardest guy that you had to tackle from maybe the Big Sky Conference? Taiwan Jones. It was easy. 
Yeah, he's pretty fast. He was a little yeah. fast. Yeah, Taiwan. He was he was just ridiculous. And and the thing that it made what made Taiwan, you know, so tough to tackle was he was unorthodox. His like the way he tried to shake you, it, it didn't have a pattern. He wasn't like a one-two cut guy or one, two, three. So you couldn't really like figure him out. Like his the way his knees and body moved. They were just, it was just so different. And so he gets you in the open field. It's like, good luck. I know there's a, a picture somewhere of me. I know we were playing down there, well, up there in Cheney. And uh, he gave me something nasty. And I'm just like <laughs> reaching for his legs. And he like takes it for 70. And I'm like, oh man, that's that's not going to look good. So it, it, without a doubt, Taiwan Jones, man, I thought he was a, he was a beast. He was tough to play against. Yeah. Well, you guys got him though. I mean, that one, that, that's one of the best Bobcat games I've seen in the, in, um, uh, in the stadium there. I, I yeah. remember Zach Minner taking it to the house off a of deflection there. And that was a fun oh, yeah. game. Yeah, it was. We ended up beating those guys that year. I think it was like 30 to seven or something. Yeah. Yep, that's, and that's, that's when they won a national championship, which is crazy. We were the I only team to beat them. Yep, I remember that well. I remember uh, Taiwan Jones got knocked out of the game because he leaped over a guy and then got crushed on the sideline. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the game plan was we have to stop Taiwan, stop him at all costs. Whatever we can do, hit him hard. Like, we were talking noise to him, laying on him. We were just really <laughs> wanting him to feel us because we knew if we could get him out of the game, we had a fighting chance. And as a result, I mean, he got knocked out. And from that point on, we were good. We could take a deep breath and, you know, just play ball from that point on. Yeah, that was a fun game to watch. You know, yeah, I one of the things I really wanted to kind of probe you on is your your time playing Sam Houston State. I know you played him twice. And... uh yeah. <laughs> Um, so it's kind of like a two-part question, man, is, uh, like, did you take it personally not being recruited by Sam Houston state or if you were not, you know, not going there and like, uh, how did that feel you? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I mean, I don't know if I took it personally with those guys, uh, but I know I had guys that were from the same area that I knew, I knew a lot of guys on that team and just me being competitive. I know, I knew that I was going to, you know, have to come home and I, I, I'm just such a competitor. I want to be able to say I kicked your butt. And so that's kind of more than anything. Just, I wanted to have those bragging rights over those guys. And so I know the first year we go down there and, you know, I think it they really caught us by surprise. I don't think we, their speed was a was a telltale thing for us. Like sometimes they they got the ball on the edges, and you know I think we were outnumbered a little bit from time to time from a defensive perspective. And if you go back and watch the game, I want to throw. There's a I, I forced a fumble in that game, and I didn't get it. They didn't give it to me, so I'm still mad about that. That could have <laughs> changed the game. Man. But um, yeah, those guys were good. They were they were very talented, well coached. Coach uh, Willie Fritz who's coaching at Tulane now, he, he did an excellent job of getting those guys to buy in and they recruited well. <laughs> they had some very talented pieces. So I have to give my hats off to those guys, even though I wanted those bragging rights. And I know I still talk to a lot of those guys, Darnell Taylor and Darius. They were twins that I grew up with. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, that's one that I, I wish I could 
play over and over again until I win, of course. Yeah, those ones didn't go quite the way uh, fans wanted, of course. But, you know, I think Sam Houston State went to the finals both years that we lost to them, or at least, at least one of the two. I know that. They so did. They went both. They, they were quite a good team there. I want to ask yeah. you one one question that I'm I've been wanting to ask uh, somebody that we've had on the show who has won the award, and I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what it is necessarily, what it means. And maybe you could get, it's like a two part question. Can you give us a brief overview of what the Chuck Carnop Award is and what it meant to you to win it in 2011? Um, I believe that was the award just off of uh, toughness. Uh, I think that's kind of what it's a, I believe it's a coach's award, if I'm not mistaken. And it's based on just toughness, whoever they think is a, is a tough guy. And I think the the reason why I kind I received that award is because my junior year, I played with a torn meniscus uh, throughout the whole year. I think I, I toured against Sacramento State on the screen. Uh, I, I toured. And then from that point on, I think I had like four or five games that I played on it. And then during the off season, so after my junior year, during that off season, I ended up tearing, I was training on one leg and I tore cartilage behind my other knee. And so, and this is after, you know, I just got a surgery from my meniscus. And then I basically had both knees that were, you know, all screwed up that I had to have surgery on. And so that's why I think the coaches kind of feel sorry for me a little bit. And <laughs> they, they gave me the award. That's what I would say. This is nothing <laughs> that I would say I, I did spectacular. I just wanted to be there for my teammates. Well, that is spectacular in my book, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so after your graduation, after your playing days in Bozeman, you ended up back in Bozeman on the coaching staff in 2015. What was it like just being back in Bozeman? Man, it, it was good. You know, I think Coach um, Ash really, he the position that he gave me as a linebacker's coach, I, I honestly had no business being the linebacker's coach just from experience point of view. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't, I wouldn't say I was necessarily ready for that, but I know he was really wanting to groom me into that position. He saw something in me. So again, I respect coach for that, for seeing something in me to know that, you know, I would give everything I got. And that's, you know, all that I did, I gave those guys everything that I had. Every day. I mean, it was fun being back in Bozeman, uh, but it was also tough. I mean, I didn't really, I wasn't out in the community as much as I wanted to be. And I wasn't really able to make uh, uh, the biggest impact that I possibly could because I was, I'm such a competitor, man. And and when I lose, I don't take it lightly. So I I wasn't going out or anything. I wasn't being seen. It was like, how can I get these guys better? And I mean, I'm just tough on myself in that way. Um, so that's, that's one thing I kind of take from it. It it was a tough season. Um, Mm. I wish I could go back and do it again and, you know, maybe I I would change a few things and, but you know, it all happens for a reason. I just wish I want Bobcat nation to know that coach Rob Ash is the man. Like he, of course, and I'm biased of course. And I I don't think, you know, the all time winning coach, he had one losing season and, gets kicked out. I mean, I'm kind of rambling, but I, I didn't think it was fair, but uh, Peter Fields, who I still talk to to this day, he thought it was the best decision for the program. And because Choate is doing a heck of a job with the, with the program. So maybe it was the right move. So it was just tough to go through 
been my first year coaching college football to get fired and feel like my my school, my university didn't want me. Because, I mean, that's basically what happened. I, I wasn't retained. So. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough situation. But I, I'm so glad that you, you said those things about Ash because I was a big Ash fan. And he it's so easily forgotten just how dominant and how winning the program was under his helm. And like you said, one bad season. I'm not going to get into whether I think he should have been let go or not. And that's just a whole other thing, but I, I, he just deserves some respect and some, uh, you know, accolades for what he accomplished for sure. Definitely. Like coach was like, we got to remember where he took the program from, you know, there was a lot of sketchy things going on and, you know, before he got there and he, he got a lot of guys to do the right thing. We were present in the community and we won the most games ever in school history. So I don't know how much more you can honestly ask. I think he, I think in a sense, he outgrew himself a little bit. He set the standards so high for himself that when he didn't have that one year that he couldn't get to it, it was kind of seen as, okay, it's time to make a change. It was a year removed from the playoffs. So yeah. It was just tough. You know. but, hey, that's life, right? Life is tough. It's kind of a tough business sometimes. It is. is. You mentioned some of the things that you wish you could have done better. It reminds me as being a teacher, you think back to your first couple years of teaching and you just like, you put your face on your, or you put your hand on your face and you just kind of shake your head and go, how do you, like, how did you not screw everything up? (laughs) um, But yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of sleepless nights because like you, I was really like motivated in to make sure that I was just giving it my all, like you said. And I think that's, it's very that's a that's a good way of going about it. But um yeah. you also spent um some time over in Washington, um, the University of mm-hmm. Washington. And uh we're getting kind of close to the the end of these uh these football questions for you, but um I kinda wanted to know I mean the connections between University of Washington and Montana State are kind of widespread right now. Uh, obviously sure. Keen Ion going over there and Coach Cho you know, coming from from that uh, background as well. So what do you, what makes University of Washington a, a good model for Montana State? Well, I guess first I would have to uh, tell Coach Choate, which I, I mean, I've told him, but I mean, I guess publicly say that Coach Choate was the reason why I was able to get the, the job at Washington during my time there. So I'm very thankful for him for, you know, letting Coach Peterson and those guys know, know that I was, a young coach that wanted an opportunity and I certainly received that. So I'm thankful for that. But I think um, just to answer your question, in Seattle in general, those people are so forward thinking. They're always on the cutting edge of everything. And they're just so just like driven, you know, just with all the startup companies and, and all that, those things. I think it bleeds into the university a little bit and into the football program down to how they taught tackling at the University of Washington, which I know Coach Iona is, you know, bringing some of those same things that we both learned together from the University of Washington. I think uh, those are some of the parallels that I see, like with people in Bozeman. I feel that uh, just the community as a whole in Bozeman, they want to, you know, move things forward and be progressive. And I think uh, th- those are the the things that stand out between University of Washington and University of uh, in Montana State University. So that's kind of what, what I would kind of hang my hat on with that. So I want to ask you a quick question about uh, just 
you know, where are you now? Like, what are you up to now? Just for our listeners here. Yeah, so I'm uh, the co-defensive coordinator here at Pittsburgh State. Uh, I'm here with Coach Wright, who I mentioned earlier, who was the offensive coordinator from 2010, I want to say, to 2011 or 12. Coach Wright was with us, and he's coming from the, uh, the University of Toledo. Uh, before he left Bozeman, he went to Florida Atlantic. I know some guys probably know him, so he hired mm-hmm. me to be his uh, co-defensive coordinator and linebackers coach. So. I just got here in January, so I'm excited to be a part of a historic program. It, it honestly reminds me a lot of Montana State, the support, how the community gets behind their program, and that's why I'm excited to be here. So hopefully we get some some Bobcat fans to tune in and, and watch the Gorillas from time to time, and hopefully we can be dominant here. That's a pretty amazing mascot, not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's big time. And then, like, everybody – Throughout the town, they have gorillas in their yard. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a big deal now. Nice. Well, feel free to send us some information when, when they're playing, and we can pump it out through our channels for, for the R&R. That would be – that's easy for us to do. Okay, I'll definitely do that for sure. Right. Uh, Jody, we got one more question for you as far as uh, before we get into our buy or sell, uh, which is okay. a little fun segment we do at the very end. But um, kind of uh, – it's a reflection question is how have you seen MSU football change in since your playing days and maybe as your time as a coach? And so what, what kind of changes are you seeing in the program right now? Um, I, I think it, it's obvious coach Chode is doing a heck of a job with the, with the program. Um, when you turn on the film, you watch those guys, they're physical. That's the first thing that I, I noticed. And I think that's a staple of football. You got to be physical. They run the ball. I think, you know, championship teams, you, you got to be able to run the ball and stop the run. So I think Coach Cho, he knows his identity that he wanted to come in and have, and he's definitely portraying that. Um, he is dominant against the Grizzlies. So I know he's like a, a local legend uh, in, in Bozeman mm-hmm. just because he's able to dominate those guys. And so I think it's a, it's a great brand of football. I mean, those guys are tough on defense. They don't give up big plays. They make you earn everything. They come down and hit you in the mouth. And then they do a good job of finding ways to to run the football with, you know, the wildcat and the uh, tackle overs and the different things that they do. So it's very, it's a very unique brand of football, but I think it's good. I'm very supportive, supportive of it. I think coach is doing a great job. Just a quick sidebar. Do you think it's a brand of football that can win a national championship? I mean, it's similar to to North Dakota State. I mean, honestly, I think uh, his offense, with the offense, it has a little bit more snaz than uh, North Dakota State. Um, I think North Dakota State, man, they just they line up and show you what they're going to do, and they just out-execute you doing that. But I, de- I definitely think they could win a national championship. I, I would like for that to happen, you know. So I would say yes. I know Coach Chote is a heck of a special teams coach, and they do a good job on, on that phase as well. I think if they can score a few more points, you know, be a little bit more explosive on the offensive side of the ball, that they'll definitely be there for being able to contend with those teams, being one of the last teams standing. I mean, I know Coach Ione, he, he'll have you dialed now. He's a, he's a big-time <laughs> coach, and like I said, we've been able to – I've been able to learn from him you know, through my time playing and coaching with them for really three years. 
Um, and so I know that he he's going to put those guys in the best position to be successful. So all of that stuff is is excellent on his side of the ball for sure. Yeah, I can't agree with that more. We're, we're, we're both pretty big fans currently of uh, what the job he's doing. And like you said, being 4-0 against the Grizz does not hurt that image. Exactly. That, that helps. <laughs> Never have to pay for a beer in Bozeman. Nope. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jody, I got four buy or sell questions and we'll get you out of here. We appreciate just your time. I know it's late for you, um, but these are pretty fun. So how you play this game, if you're not familiar with it, all you got to do is say buy or sell and then just give me your reason behind that statement. You you ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm, all right. I'm, okay. <laughs> I'm just going to sit back. This Foley's driving. I'm just going to sit back and finish my drink. Okay. <laughs> Jody, number one, buy or sell. Mm, your greatest honor as a Bobcat was being named team captain the senior year. Bye. I think it's bye for me. Whenever, you know, your teammates vote you to, to lead the team, I mean, you have 100-plus players on the team, and for them to say, you are our guy, I mean, it shows a lot about who you are. And what you're made of. So I think that that's that's it right there. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> All right. Nice. Uh Thorny told me not to ask this one, but I'm I'm going to. You, <laughs> Come on, you, you don't Come you on. don't have it's, it's a hard question. You don't have you can plead the fifth on this one. Buy or sell right. ever Gilbert was a better receiver than Elvis Akbla. <laughs> oh, that is tough, man. Both of them are my guys. Uh well. It, Okay, I have to ask, which Everett Gilbert and which Elvis are you talking about? That's who I would have to ask because uh, uh, Elvis in 2011, I don't think MSU has seen a receiver like that. But Everett, like his freshman and sophomore year, I mean, he was, you know, just as good. So that's what I would have to ask before I buy or sell on either. Uh, let's just say peak Gilbert and peak Akla, I guess. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, I... I, I it's close, but I would have to go Elvis just because I never seen nobody, a receiver, take over the games like he was able to do just in 2011, man. He was making all kind of plays, the catches he was making on people's neck and everything else, putting it behind <laughs> his back. So I have to I have to go with Elvis on that, but it's close. And, and yeah. El, I mean, and Everett's one of my groomsmen, so hopefully he doesn't hear this. <laughs> Right on, man. Thanks for asking. Uh, thanks for answering that one. Okay. No uh, buyer sale number three, playing in the snow. Uh, I probably sell it, man. I'd rather play in the sunshine, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. So, but I'll sell that one. I'd rather okay, not. Cool. You know. <laughs> I was wondering about that 2010 uh, game in, in Missoula, but you kind of already talked about that. I was like, my, one of my questions I had coming into this was, I wonder if you felt the cold or if you were just above that during that time. But you said, no, you were pretty damn cold. <laughs> so. Yeah, I was cold, man. And I know that a lot of the guys, they wanted to wear no sleeves. I'm like, are you crazy? Like, I'm doing three layers. I got my hand warmers. I'm getting by the heater the whole nine. Like, I am cold out here. Like, I don't have nothing to prove. But when the ball is snapped, I'll go hit somebody in the mouth, though. I, I can still do that. But I, I can't. You know, just let the act like this code doesn't exist because it's there, fellas. 
<laughs> well, if it's going to be cold, it's, it's much better to be the one doing the hitting instead of the one getting hit. Yeah, exactly. Right? That's why I play defense. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question for you. And I know you spend time in in both places, more in Texas, but th- this is a buy or sell. Buy or sell Texas barbecue over KC barbecue. Oh, man, that is tough because I didn't I didn't realize how good Kansas City barbecue was until I did an internship with the Kansas City Chiefs mm-hmm. and I was brought some barbecue from one of the, the local places. And I mean, man, I think it is tough, but I'm a have to, I'm a hometown guy. I, I have to go with Texas, but Kansas City is right there. It, it's right there. It, it is delicious. Now. They know what they're doing. I'm going with buy on Texas. There you go. Well, I'm up in Northwest Washington, so I'll take any barbecue over <laughs> yeah. what I got up here. <laughs> I was up there for two years, so I get it. Mm-hmm. Got some good uh, seafood barbecue, not so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, I'm not a huge seafood guy, but there were a couple spots that I like some some chowder and all of that. I think that was good. All right, Thorny, why don't you wrap it up for us, buddy? Uh, uh, Jody, do you want to give us anywhere we can follow you, your Twitter handle, anything like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, Bobcat Nation, please. I mean, you guys, you know, I'm pretty open. I know I talk about a lot of stuff on my Twitter. Um, I think I'd be a good follow. But, yeah, you can follow me at PSU underscore J-A-Y-O, the letter O-H, uh, 23. So the 23 will never leave. So, <laughs> PSU underscore J J Y O O H 23. Follow me. All right, Bobcat Nation. Give our guy here a follow. Um, as usual, you can find us on Twitter, our Catcast, and like, subscribe, all that fun stuff, all the normal stuff here. But uh, I'm excited for this one. We end our episode, as always, with the Go Cats. I'd love to get a Go Cats from you. Oh, that's easy, man. Go Cats! Let's go! (laughs) Go Cats. Go Cats.